Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I'm the creator of the show Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake because none of us have time to exercise and work out. And me, I'm probably shaking a little bit more than I wish I were. This is going to be a community-hosted podcast, not by me, but by a collection of women all over the country who are going to share their stories, struggles, and solutions, some with their own guests on their episodes, some without. Each one will be a wonderful sampler of a story that you can relate to or that might help you. And I hope that you all enjoy it. Moms don't have time to move and shake. Get moving. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake, a podcast created by Zibby Owens to help all of us live our best, healthiest lives. I'm Sharon Deasonhouse. And I'm Heather Cabot. And today we are your hosts. So thanks, Zibby. We are two longtime TV journalists, writers, moms, friends, and women of a certain age who've had some challenges maintaining optimum health for ourselves. So we have a special guest for you today, and we think that she will be helpful to all of us. Larissa DiDio, a personal trainer, fitness author with more than 20 years experience helping celebrities, Olympians, professional athletes, as well as moms, dads, and kids all meet their health and fitness goals, and she's going to share her expertise with us. Larissa is also a contributing editor to Prevention Magazine with a monthly column and has hosted more than 50 DVDs and online wellness videos, many of which have become bestsellers, including Tone Up in 15 DVD and bestselling Fit in 10 DVD series with Prevention Magazine, Strognation DVD, The Perfect with Prevention Magazine, and The 4-Minute Workout with WWE CMO Stephanie McMahon. An accomplished writer for fitness publications, Larissa is also the author of Sneaky Fitness, How to Slip Exercise into Your Kids Every Day from Running Press. Welcome, Larissa. We are so excited for you to join us today. Welcome, um, I'm welcome. Start off. Yeah, we're so excited for you to be here. So I'm just going to start off. I'm, I'm really curious about your personal fitness journey. So how did you get into fitness as a profession? Why did you become a trainer? It's so funny because I often get asked that question and it takes me back to the Jane Fonda days. And it <laughs> seems so cliche, but Jane Fonda really did get me started on my fitness journey. I was a very skinny kid and I was about 14 or 15 years old and I wanted to be faster at running. And it was it angered me that I wasn't strong enough. So back in the 80s, it wasn't very customary for kids or girls, especially to find themselves in the weight room. But I knew that that's what was going to get me faster. So I spoke with my gym teacher and he made up a program for me. And I was one of the only girls in the weight room and I got really strong and I got faster and it worked. And my friends saw that it worked. And I started making programs for my friends because I felt so good and they wanted, I wanted to see my friends excel and, and feel great about themselves too. And so I started making programs and I found myself in the weight train being in the, in the weight room, being the trainer for girls, ages 14, 15, 16. And on the opposite days, I would go home and do there. All we had was Jane Fonda in the house and I needed to keep going and I wanted exercise and I wanted more. And I, I did her tape so much that they skipped. Do you remember tape skipping? Back <laughs> yes. <then? laughs> They skipped and I loved it. And when I told my mother that I wanted to change people's lives, she said to me, oh, great, you'll be a, you'll be a doctor. <laughs> so we said, actually, that's not exactly what I have in mind, but 
I got a job. I was the youngest group fitness or at the time aerobics instructor for Gold's Gym at 17 years old. And I was teaching aerobics at 6.30 in the morning and making programs for my friends. So I decided I was going to school for pre-med because I was taking my parents' advice, of course. And I got a job at the Vertical Club in 1991. I lied to them. I told them I was 18 years old, really, when I was 17. <laughs> something that my my something that served me well over the years. But I I continued and I started doing fitness videos at 18, 19 years old for Redbook. And at that time, we were doing aerobics for the gay men's health crisis. And it was crazy. We were teaching aerobics on Sunday mornings to 100 people. It was, it, was a, it was a whirlwind. And I was ready to take my MCATs. And I said to my mother, oh, so sorry. This ain't going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> I'm writing books. She said, okay, that's okay. You'll be a lawyer. <laughs> but I continued with personal Only training. kidding. <laughs> Only kidding, mom. <laughs> and it, it, that's how I got started. That's great. Great, great way to, you know, to want to share your power, basically. Totally. Yeah, I was thinking about, I think Sharon and I have maybe talked about this more. I feel like this is in the conversation recently with like just my daughters, but I, this idea of like women always wanting to make themselves smaller and take up less space yes. and love the idea of strength training and encouraging women to take up more space and feel confident in being out there and being inspired by what our bodies can actually do. Right. I feel like you kind of Yeah, I feel like you were a rebel back then. I was totally a rebel. And I'm Ukrainian women um, were very matriarchal and power really serves the Ukrainian community in the female space. And as a Ukrainian woman, there was no, it was not acceptable for me to not be strong for myself. And I said, that's it. Women are strong in the Ukrainian community. I'm skinny. I'm not fast. I need to be strong. And it's interesting that, I found a home in the weight room because it was instant gratification. You instantly felt stronger. You instantly felt more confident. And it was a little weird for the boys at first to see me there, but actually they became my biggest cheerleaders. It was quite cool. I think that they, I I thought that they were going to make fun of me and I thought that they were not going to be on board and they were. And even though my target market or, or the clientele that I serve really now is between the ages of 30 and let's say even 70, 75, it still remains a passion for me to help girls between the ages of 11 and 16 find their way through the weight room and find their confidence and their strength through weight training. I'll say through exercise as a whole, but honestly, weight training plays a huge, huge role in that because like I said, in the weight room, not only are, is it an environment where people aren't competitive with each other? They're really not. It's not like mm-hmm. a race. It's not like high school where you're racing each other. They're actually really positive. And it's an adult responsible environment where people, you don't get made fun of. People are there just to get better and look better mm-hmm. and feel better and feel better about themselves. So I have found the weight room and gyms on the whole, have been the most positive part of girls growing up, especially those who are slightly overweight, not as athletic, not as um, confident. It's it's right. life-changing. It's like the most vulnerable population, really, totally. I think. And so if you can be affirming, you know, as mothers, if we can find ways to, to steer our daughters to that kind of sense mm-hmm. of empowerment and, and acceptance, 
It's huge. Studies have shown, because I've done a lot of work with this, and I did a series of DVDs for girls, for tween girls. Studies have shown that habits established between the ages of 11 and 14 stick stick with you throughout your life more than any other uh, part of adolescence, let's say. So these tween girls, you get made fun of. You're slightly heavy. You're not healthy. You're not athletic. I have 30-year-old women coming to me saying that, you know, I wasn't athletic. I'm not athletic. And I, and I would say to them, why do you say that? Because we just went running and you look pretty athletic to me and you look pretty agile to me. Well, when I was 12 years old, someone told me that I wasn't. And that one thing, it's so surprising the stories that we tell ourselves. I just had one woman say that to me. And I said, you just ran faster than me on the treadmill. Why do you think you're not athletic? And she said someone in seventh grade told her right. that she was fat enough. And, and, well, that and- applies to so many different categories. I thought I was bad in math. And then when I was cleaning out my parents' house, I saw these old tests from 10th grade and I was in the 99th percentile. You know, <laughs> it just, I just wasn't, I, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't do my homework. Turns out you actually have to do your homework in math. So. That may have had it's something unfortunate. to do with it. It's unfortunate. Though. You, <laughs> yeah. could have been a, you could have been a, a, a physics, but a physicist. One of your biggest pieces of advice for clients is to take small steps towards fitness instead of focusing on overwhelming big goals. So how do you break that down? How does that work? And why do you find that that's effective? It was about 10 or 15 years ago that a study came out that 10 minutes, all the body needed was 10 minutes a day in order to reap the benefits of exercise, stronger hearts, faster metabolism, increased motivation, increased flexibility. And that really spoke to me as a mom, as a businesswoman, as someone who had a lot on my plate, 10 minutes being actually effective really resonated. And it not only resonated with me, it resonated with the rest of my mom clients who really felt time constraints and they felt that if they couldn't get an hour in, why bother? Why bother? I can't get an hour. All or nothing at all. Right. Why bother bother doing it? So I implemented it not into, not only into my life, but into my clients' lives where I said to them, listen, doesn't matter. Now, you know, studies are showing just 10 minutes. So what I want you to do is just get on the elliptical for 10 minutes or just run a mile, whatever you can do just to 10 minutes. If you have more than that, great. But if you only have 10 minutes, know that that's okay and and get off and go about your daily life. And it really, really worked. My clients enjoyed not only losing weight as I did too, but it extended into other areas of my life where I thought that if I could just do a little bit here, 10 minutes here, maybe I'd work on my closet for 10 minutes and maybe that would cause me to be excited to do more. And it did. So not only did I get fit, did I get healthier, did my clients enjoy the same thing, but they also, it sort of made everything better. So what I normally suggest is start with 10 minutes a day. It doesn't feel overwhelming. Anybody can do 10 minutes. When I tell you, all you need is 10 minutes and you just have to work out for 10 minutes today. How do you feel? It's not overwhelmed. Not overwhelmed. Right. No, it's, it's, it's doable when you think, when you think of it that way, it's like snackable, right? You know, it's right. that 10 minutes you can fit in. Everybody has 10 minutes some, somewhere. You set your alarm 10 minutes earlier or whatever. You just figure out how to fit it in. It doesn't feel so overwhelming like an hour. So here's my question with the 10 minutes, are you working on different parts of the body? Or are you doing cardio some days or like, how, how does it break down just for people listening? What, how do you think about the 10 minutes? Like what's in the 10 minutes? First of all, 
if you can just get 10 minutes a day in of anything, it's better than nothing, right? So whatever you do, if you can get particular, cross-training your body is the best way to go about training your body because it trains different parts of your body on opposite days. So you become the healthiest, the strongest, the most well-protected, and it keeps you interested because you don't get bored with the same 10 minute thing every single day. So one day you do cardio, the next day you do lower body strength training, the next day you do bar strength training, the next day we do upper body, then we do some yoga tone. So it's about teaching you one, how to move your body in different planes, which gets your body and your connective tissue really, really strong. So you don't hurt yourself, you know, you know, God forbid, roll your ankle, whatever it may be. But it also helps you to increase your metabolism and be happy, be happy. Because you're like, oh, what are we doing today? It's not like, oh God, I got to go on the treadmill again for 10 minutes, which some people like, but other Mm -hmm. people, you know, they need something new every day. So it keeps it, it keeps endorphins, program (laughs) attrition to a low people who ditch their program and it keeps your endorphins high. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, I want to ask you, because I know um, Sharon and I said at the top of the show, you know, we are women of a certain age and you do work with, as you said, you said clients all the way up into their seventies, which is fantastic. And, you know, I should tell the listeners out there that you and I recently started working together at Larissa. Um, We reunited after many years. We knew each other years ago. And for me, I am, I'm, I am trying to get back into running again. I used to, I was a runner. I absolutely used it as my social in a lot of ways. It was, I would go running with my friends. And in recent years, I've had a lot of injuries from overtraining and I, and I stopped. And so one of the things you and I've been working on is getting me back into it again. And what I found to be so interesting in the time that we've worked together, even just the last few weeks is the focus on recovery. And the, and the idea of rest, because again, going back to this idea of like getting overwhelmed by big goals, I think oftentimes people don't build in rest. I was one of those people. I'd not build in rest. So can you talk about why is recovery so important as we age and how do we build in sort of active rest days and other things like stretching and foam rolling, the Theragun, all the stuff that you and I, maybe for listeners out there, kind of key them into like what we've been working on? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're younger, you recover faster. You don't, I want to clarify something. People often think, well, I'm older. I'm automatically just going to get injured more and I'm not going to feel as great when I'm working out and I'll have more injuries. Part of the process of aging is the more you do something, the more overuse injury you can experience. And two, the more your body will break down because you're doing it for that length of time. It's not necessarily because you're that age doing it. It's because you've been doing it for that length of time without healing your body and healing the muscle. So when you're younger, you haven't been doing that for it that long. So overuse injury is not an issue. But as you get into your thirties and you've been working out for 10 years and ignoring that all of a sudden these overuse issues and injuries come up. I talked about cross-training. That's why cross-training is so important because overuse injuries typically occur when you do one specific exercise over and over and over and over and over without recovering. So if you run in one direction without strengthening other parts of your body, that connective tissue will break down if it doesn't rest. If your body, if you don't sleep, if you don't sleep at night, your brain will go to mush. Your body goes to mush. 
It's not great for you. Same thing with your body. You have to learn how to recover. And it's interesting in the eighties and nineties, we were taught how to work out. Everybody was like, Oh, cool. Now everybody's working out. We're doing high impact aerobics and we're doing weight training and we're powerlifting. Oh, but wait, what? We have to recover. Hang on. (laughs) That never occurred to anyone until 15 years later of those of us doing high impact aerobics. We ended up with shin splints. We ended up with Achilles tendonitis. And then, you know, we were forced into figuring out how to recover because we wanted to continue with the activity. So to tell a 20 year old, you have to foam roll and you have to ice and you have to, it's sort of like telling them not to eat sugar because they're going to get diabetes. It's hard to convince them that in 10 years from now, when this you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. But for those of us in our thirties, forties, fifties, we know that after we run, it doesn't feel like it used to. So it's super, super important to um, make sure that you take care of your body. It started off with yoga and gentle stretching. Yoga is great, but yoga really doesn't address your fascia. It doesn't address the recovery of muscles in different planes. And also it's like self Think about recovery and foam rolling and percussion massage, uh, percussion as self-massage and self-recovery. So mm-hmm. basically what you're doing is you're breaking down tissue and breaking down the adhesion so that your body can move better and blood can flow through it. So yoga is great, but prior to doing, say, yoga and after your workout, we now in the fitness industry recommend that you do something called foam rolling, percussion massaging. It increases your range of motion. It decreases your recovery time. And What's percussion can- massaging? I don't know what that is. Ah, so a percussion massager uh, was used by physical therapists about 20 years ago. We had one and it's a massage wand that hits you at 2000 revolutions per minute. It's very, very fast. And it's basically massaging your muscles. It's breaking down adhesions. It's increasing blood flow. It makes you feel good. It's basically like having your own personal massager. Is that like the ultrasound thing that they do at physical therapy? Ultrasound is a little different. This is much more physical and manual. So ultrasound, you feel a little bit more, it's electrical and it's a little like, it's like a buzz. This is more like someone is taking taking their thumb and pushing it into you at an exorbitant speed. Have you ever like had like sat in the massage chair at a manicure yeah. or a pedicure? Like, uh. Right. And that's what it feels like. Except okay. that imagine if you could hold if you had that tool but you could hold it in your hand. Yeah. And you could you could put it like for me what what Larissa has been having me do is like I use a, a, a device like that on my calves and yeah. like, and my hamstrings and it, and it, it I will say it does help. I, I have to build in time to do it. And yeah. that's, that's yeah, un- to do it while you're watching TV. Yeah, no. And it, but it does, it does help and icing and everything else. So, so that's the biggest issue that comes about with, um, so you, you're doing a 10 minute workout or 20 minute workout, but then you have to build in five or 10 extra minutes in order to do that right. recovery work. And you can do it while you're watching TV, while you're, you know, just sitting there instead of you had 10 minutes while you're scrolling on your phone, you can do it. The thing is, is that you don't need a huge amount of time to do it. Your body just likes consistency. So right. five to eight minutes a day, as opposed to an hour once a week is so much better for you. 
you. And they're finding now that it not only helps with repair, but it also helps with preparation of exercise. I actually just took a seminar in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago where we used the Theragun, the percussion massager, during during the workout. So we would squat, then use the percussion massager, then squat again. And it actually, the next day, it one, increased my range of motion and, and my ability, but it also, I wasn't a sore the next day. I need one like hit. aimed at my piriformis when I'm doing squats. Yeah, yeah, right? You, need, the death you need to hire someone to sit there and do it right in between, right? <laughs> right, just like shoot it to death. So um, actually, that's interesting. So anyone who is listening would know that the piriformis, your sciatic nerve runs through the piriformis. So anyone who sits or is built biologically like that can get something called sciatica because their piriformis or their butt tightens up. So yeah. the, the percussion massager is the number one thing to release the piriformis. Oh, that's very and, and good I'm not, And I'm not a spokesperson for any, yeah. any, any percussion well, I actually have one. I just didn't know that, that, that it was called percussion massage. Yeah. <laughs> so, Larissa, when we spoke on the phone yesterday, I gave you a laundry list of all of the different medical issues that I've been dealing with. And, you know, Heather was talking about recovery as a means of sort of furthering things. I kind of approach it right now from, from the other side, which is I've had all these injuries and now I'm scared that I'm going to, you know, re-injure it or, or how to start because everything hurts. You know, I have a, I have a labral tear in my hip. I have a, a tear in my rotator cuff. And, you know, so maybe if you, and I suspect that there are a lot of people listening who have those issues in our little mom group. And then the, the last thing is, you know, I recently had a pretty bad bout of COVID followed by pneumonia. So I, you know, my lungs are kind of slow to have their power back. So mm-hmm. maybe if we can talk about what do you do to work around, uh, you know, the, the tear in the hip? What do you do to work around to build up the strength in the other areas? Mm-hmm. So well, that we can go ahead and not yeah. injure the hip. Well, I, well, one, I, if you have a specific injury like that, a tear in your hip or a herniated disc, one, it's really important that you get a great physical therapist a great physical therapist. I don't believe that massage and physical therapy is considered a luxury. I think that especially as we get older and we have more injuries, it's important to keep them on uh, speed dial because, mm-hmm. or on regular, on consistent regular appointments because it, they're, they are who keep you moving and keep you feeling good so that you can do these activities of daily life. I get a massage once a week. I don't think that she's a luxury. I think that she's, she's the one who keeps me moving and keeps my hips going. I have a moving and shaking. (laughs) Yeah. Shaking. I have a physical therapist and sometimes it it takes you a little while to find the one that you like and the one that's the best for you. But I see her every other week for a half hour. I just think that it's important. I believe that when, especially when your body is concerned, it's important to keep on top of these things. And it's also important to find people who will help you to sort of think that you're going to do it on your own. It's kind of like, right. Why you have specific suggestions if you're working with somebody like for a hip or, a or a shoulder or whatever, Specific you know. suggestions for a physical therapist. No, for things to work on like exercise. Oh. 
Well, oh, totally. But I mean, it really depends on what your issue is. If you're, for example, if you have a hip tear, a weak muscle or a torn muscle is a weak muscle. So you have to work on not only building your hips, but you also have to work on building your butt so that when your hips get stronger, they don't pull forward so that you maintain perfect alignment. So someone like a personal trainer or a physical therapist would, even if you just do one or two sets, two sessions, get a program, do it on your own for a couple of weeks, then go back for a tune-up. I have clients who are, little, who are on a limited budget that really understand the need, the necessity for, for a fitness expert in their life because we show you what would take you years in order to figure out how to do it on your own. So we'll show you someone who is on a limited budget can do it once. We'll show you what to do and then come back a couple of weeks later. So that's something that I absolutely recommend. I recommend if you are starting slow, if you've had injuries before like you, the 10-minute rule is perfect because it gets you confident into getting back into activity again. I also very, very much believe in the one mile a day, whether you walk it, whether you run it, whether you crawl it, one mile a day really makes a difference. So even if you do it at two miles an hour, if you do it when I gave birth, <laughs> I was 10 days postpartum, I was walking on the treadmill at 1.8 miles an hour. I think, you know, my, my toddler could fall faster than that, but right. it gave me the momentum and the, and the confidence. Right. It was a start. The other thing too is with COVID. And I think this was a couple of my clients. I just had a client who said to me that she had COVID and it's been two months and she was coughing a little bit. And she said, I don't know if this is still COVID or am I sick and I'm feeling a little, you know, nervous. And I said to her, two months post, I've got some long-term COVID symptoms and I've been told that they're just going to linger and be there. So in my head, either they're going to still linger and I'm going to get lethargic and out of shape and sit on the couch, or I'm just going to push myself. They're not going to get worse. So I might as well just be in shape with my long-term symptoms. So that's sort of what I recommended for her. And she realized that her, her fear was causing her to become not energetic and almost a little lazy. Like she's like, I, I feel like almost I'm giving into this because I don't want to do it. And yeah. it's a, it's a, it's well, a you can definitely become avoidant. Yeah. And it's a convenient yeah. excuse. So yeah. she actually thrived. I'm guilty. And now she's running three miles a day. Good for her. <laughs> I think, you know, obviously it's all, it, it, it's with the direction of your doctor, right? So Absolutely, that without question. You're talking to a medical yeah. professional as well and getting the green light before you, before you embark on any exercise program that is, right. that is new, but then like use of the rest of, you know, finding that coach, finding that fitness guru in your life to help create that program that will work for you. Guide you, guide you and motivate you. Yeah. Larissa, I hate to end this. Thank you so much, but we got to go because moms don't have time to listen to very for very long either. <laughs> um, if people want to reach you though, how can they do that? You can go on my website, larissadedio.com and there's a form right there. You can reach out to me, but you can always email at my name, larissadedio at yahoo.com. And as always, we want to remind our listeners, this is not a substitute for medical advice. You should speak with a medical professional before commencing any specific health regimen. This is just good advice as a supplement. We thank you for listening and we hope to speak with you again soon on Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Thank you so much. I'm Sharon Diesenhouse. And I'm Heather Cabot. Be well, everybody. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Get moving. <laughs>